0: Welcome to the MHI Cast, the show where we talk to the industry's best minds to uncover their supply chain stories. We explore real-world case studies and get unique perspectives on key trends and emerging technologies from every corner of the material handling, logistics, and supply chain space. Great innovations never go unnoticed. They’re appreciated and embraced. And that’s part of what makes ProMat and Modex the place to go for supply chain buyers. Every year, innovative solutions that can potentially revolutionize the way supply chains work are on display. While one brilliant mind might come up with an idea of how robots can ease redundant jobs of workers, the other innovation gears towards streamlining the flow of material and products across supply chains. In this special episode of MHI Cast, we're speaking with the winners of the 2023 MHI Innovation Awards and the new Innovation Startup Award. We caught up with them after Promad to discuss what they presented and how it felt to be recognized. First up is Jonathan Hurst. Jonathan, thank you for joining us today for this very special episode of MHI Cast. First things first, why don't you share a little about yourself and agility robotics?
1: I'm a co-founder and the chief technology officer at Agility Robotics. And we at Agility Robotics are building multi-purpose, human-centric robots. Robots that can go where we go and uh, do useful uh, workflows, do useful jobs, do tasks in human spaces.
0: Funny you should mention the human-centric robotics, because that's what you were recognized for at the MHI Innovation Awards this year. Congratulations on winning Best New Innovation Award for Digit. How does it feel to showcase your innovation on such a big platform and watch all your hard work bring you success?
1: It's really fantastic because, you know, this is a, a big show. There's a lot of vendors there, a lot of people who who know everything there is to know about logistics. And, you know, we are admittedly a little bit new to the logistics industry, certainly compared to a lot of these companies that have been doing it for, for so long. And so we believe that we have something that's a really strong entrant. But then having that recognized, having others there and people who really know what they're talking about and have been in the industry for forever, recognize that this is actually of real value to them and that it's a it's a real innovation. It's very validating for us. It's very important. And um, we just really appreciate it.
0: I know a lot of hard work goes into it. So you and your team deserve the recognition. Could you tell us about Digit and what makes it unique?
1: Well, so what Digit is really special about is going where people go, handling any kind of the terrain or the environment, kind of the upright ability of the robot. The floor space that it takes up is is very small, and the reachability is huge. So the robot can bend down, pick up things off the floor, stand way up high and reach up high to the top shelf. And then, of course, it's mobile, goes somewhere else to place that tote somewhere, and Trying to come up with a solution that would achieve all of that kind of the floor space, the reachability of it, the workspace of that robot is is really unparalleled. It's really hard to match with with any other solution. I think that's what's really special about it. And then on top of that, it's the versatility, it's the multi-purpose aspect of it. Because when you design a machine that can go where people go and do human workflows, some of these you know these repetitive process automated workflows, there are so many of those that are designed around us uh, in industry, and so that makes the robot immediately applicable with just some software changes to a whole bunch of different use cases.
0: Wow, it can really help improve workplace efficiency. So could you elaborate on the use cases that you just mentioned?
1: Well, in the very first scenario, it's our engineers work with a major customer. And, you know, a big customer says, hey, we have, you know, hundreds of these particular workstations And here's the workflow for these workstations, you know, at our warehouses all over the country. And so then we know, again, the dimensions of the shelves and the conveyor belt and the location of it. We program that in so the robot knows that. And then it's very straightforward for the robot to repetitively do that task. And then to do a second use case, you know, you work up to a different workflow. But our engineers come in, again, model out that space, identify where the things are, and then set the robot up and then it's on its way. The robot deals with the variability that it's going to see on a daily basis, like which toad to pick and the orientation of the toad and obstacles that are in the way. But it knows a lot about the environment because we've set it up and we've got the digital twin on online and the robot knows what it's going to see. Over time, think of it like these uh, technology eras. And I would say I kind of break it down into maybe five technology eras.
0: It's so interesting how technologies like AI and machine learning are making robots more intelligent and able to make data-driven decisions. How do you think companies can integrate it into their operations?
1: The capabilities and the intelligence of the robot are just going to continue to grow. The thing that I think is kind of amazing and new this year, even the past six months, I expected that getting the robots to really be intelligent and aware in a more general sense was going to be a very, very long road that involved an awful lot of contextual awareness about its environment and gradually building up the decision-making capabilities. And it's a pretty heavy lift for a company to, to create an entire AI team to do that, right? But what's new and so interesting is that this intelligence coming out with the, the generative AI that, you know, the large language models like, uh, like ChatGPT, like Dolly for, for the imagery, it's so readily available that the intelligence is actually gonna be the commodity The hard part is gonna be the physical intelligence, the physical interaction. Turning, you know, if you're talking with ChatGPT and you say, um, what are the steps that you would take to, say, pick up this tote and put it on a shelf? ChatGPT gives you a pretty good list of actions that the robot should take. And instead of having a team of engineers be laying out a particular use case and setting it up for the robot, I actually believe that the intelligence, the generative AI approaches, are going to be really, really promising there.
0: You mentioned technology eras in your previous answer. I thought of passing it initially, but the nerd side of me is inquisitive to learn more about it. So, if you could explain what exactly are those technology eras and what they entail?
1: The way I've broken it out is robots that are part of everyday life and they're helping us in our homes, in our workplaces. You can log into robots remotely for a telepresence interface and hang out with family and friends. You can ask the the robot to take out the trash, help you in your home as you're aging, all those things. That's the dream of humanity that everybody's always wanted. Tech era number one, which is really where we are right now, is have a robot do something useful so that you can do the math and say, hey, this provided enough value for me for my business it is worth the cost of buying this robot. I'd like to buy a thousand more. You know, that's where we are right now. Tech era number one and this very first use case of moving totes from shelves to conveyors. Tech era number two is scaling that up, but still just one use case and one focus. Tech era number three is where you really start to separate out and start to do three, four, five, six different use cases. And at that point, you start to get to be more like a smartphone but for labor, where you've got a bunch of different use cases, a bunch of different apps, basically, on what the robot can do. And that's really our, our business goal, because that's where Agility Robotics is going to be successful for, for decades. And then tech era number four, I would say, is when it's so easy to use that you it's a commercial product. People can just order the robots, buy a case of robots, and then they can set them up for whatever use case they want. Um, but it's still pretty commercial. You still maybe want an engineering team or, or at least a technician team who's deploying that. And then eventually, and it's inevitable, these things um, start to be used more and more broadly and become that, that tech era number five, that dream that everybody's always wanted.
0: Thanks, you explained it really well. Before we let you go, is there anything else you'd like to mention?
1: This is the first time that we've really been at the scale and had the capacity to be able to show up at Promat with a demo like this and with a booth like that. And it was, Fantastic! What a great experience and what a lot of impressive things that are going on at this conference. So much automation that's starting to come into play. It's really changing things fast. And I'm just really excited about that. I appreciated being there. I appreciated I was impressed by the event and the organization and the team running it. And uh, I think that really has a big impact on the whole community. We're able to see what's out there, get a, a clear sense of um, how things are being automated in the directions that uh, different companies are going and and that's just going to accelerate the whole field.
0: Thanks for joining us Jonathan it was a pleasure to have you. Next up is Rebecca Lennertz. Rebecca thank you so much for joining me. First things first can you
2: please introduce yourself to the fine listeners. Yep, I am Rebecca Leonards. I'm the director of marketing at High Robotics. I started at High Robotics about nine months ago. I've been in warehouse automation and robotics marketing for several years now. Prior to being at High, I was with AutoStore and before then Vecna Robotics. And before then I was at a series of marketing firms. Great.
0: So Rebecca, your team won best innovation of an existing product at Promat. Congratulations. Can you tell me more about what put high robotics in the
2: spotlight? The A42T, autonomous case-picking robot, I'm going to call it an ACR moving forward. It's just a little bit easier to say. The A42T is, is a telescoping version of our other models, which is the A42. So the ACRs, imagine a ladder. They kind of look like a ladder on a very narrow, condensed base, and they navigate an ASRS, or an Automated Storage and Retrieval System, uh, through narrow aisles approximately four feet wide. These ladders have picking arms, but to reach out, they grab a tote, box, tray, whatever it might be, and it fills up its backpack. So there's a series of small shelves on the back of this ladder where it stores the totes, and once it gets up to nine totes, it delivers to a conveyor, picking station, port, Whenever it might be that the ASRS is connected to. And then after it's delivered its load of, of totes, boxes, trays, whatever it might be, it returns into the system. And the systems have quite a few of these robots operating them. The ACRs are the main equipment that are the main machinery that runs the ASRS. And we've heard them described. I wish I made this up, but it wasn't. It's an ASRS solution with an AMR attitude. So they're basically, you get the flexibility. From an AMR or AGV, which through an ASRS system. So that's kind of them in a nutshell. They're a condensed ladder, very tall, 15 to 17 foot looking pieces of equipment uh, that fulfill orders in the system. They're kind of the, the star of the show.
0: Awesome. What do you think helped you stand out among your competitors?
2: It really breaks down to three key benefits, density, speed, and flexibility. Other ASR solutions have one or oftentimes two of these, but Highway Motors really provides all three of them. So with density, we're going up 32 feet. Our, our A42T allows us to go up to 32 feet of vertical storage space, so we're maximizing that airspace above uh, where typical storage area is. We're also reducing the aisle width to about four feet. And because we can store totes up to four totes deep with our double deep picking abilities, we're reducing the number of aisles as well. And a lot of our customers are seeing up to 75% reduction in storage footprint. Then there's speed. We're moving, our systems can move up to 600 totes per hour through high port station. So per station, we're moving up to 600. The robots themselves can pick up to nine per run. So we're getting a really high increase in batch factor as well. So we're getting increased efficiency there with their speed. And our workstations, as I said earlier, they're ergonomically designed for human movement. So they're fulfilling up to 30 orders at a single time. And they're not walking 10 to 15 miles a day. You're keeping your humans in one area so that they can be more efficient. You're not wasting that time walking in between picks. Then we have flexibility. We're material agnostic. Our robots are smart enough to function in as ASRs made out of real-world, industry-standard material. You don't need to buy high-precision shelving and pick from two, three, four different high-precision totes. Our robots can work with almost any industry-standard racking or shelving, and almost any industry-standard tote size, tote material, um, trays, cardboard boxes even. Whatever it is that that system needs, the robots are intelligent enough to work within it. We don't think that it's a good use of money or anyone's time to spend money on extremely expensive totes and extremely expensive racking and shelving when that's just the container that your goods sit in. Our value is in our technology, not the inert material that contains the goods. So we're providing a lot of flexibility. We're creating workflows around the needs of a facility. We're not asking our customers to adapt their workflows to fit our system. And also that because we're using industry standard material, we're all, our customers are also seeing a reduction in overall costs of the ASRS.
0: Wow, that's a really strong, unique selling proposition. No wonder you won the Innovation Award. Well deserved. I know you have a large team, and all of you weren't President Promat. So what was your team's
2: reaction when your name was called? I don't know if you looked on our LinkedIn yet, but uh, I did have my cell phone uh, recording just in case we did win, and I almost dropped it. We had our team, that we had eight members of our team physically present when they announced it, and we jumped out of our seats. We were so excited. My team worked so hard to develop this technology. They really did. And I am so proud of them. And then once we got over the initial shock and excitement, we tried to run up on stage before they even finished playing the video. We just were so excited. And we were able to go back to our team and we started immediately texting all of our friends. And a lot of them had, uh, because we have so many people at Promat, a lot of them had already gone back to the hotel and we told them, you know, get up, we're going to go down to the bar. We're going to, to celebrate together. And it was... Then once it got back home to everyone that's still at home, you know, even though it was late at night, it was just, we were all just completely elated. We tried so hard and we dedicate so many hours to this and we're in it together. So to get that recognition, we were just so excited. By winning the MHI Innovation Award, it's really helped us validate that everything we're saying is indeed accurate, but also just provide reassurance to the market that this is a real true game changer of a technology that's here to stay. I'll have to go check out the recording on LinkedIn.
0: Thanks for joining us today, Rebecca. I am now joined by Thomas Zoer. Thomas, can you share a little about who you are for our listeners?
3: Uh, yeah, my name is Thomas Zohar. S-S-Y-A-I is where I'm a co-founder.
0: Thomas, great job at Promat, and a big congratulations to you and your team on winning the Startup Award. How do you feel?
3: Thank you very much. I'm a little bit used to winning, uh, you know, competitions, but more in the sportive area. This is something new to me, and it came with a little bit of a surprise. We knew that we have something outstanding uh, for us, game-changing in the computer vision world, uh, but certainly it came as a surprise, and um, I think our market recognition also increased dramatically in a good way. So, certainly a great uh, outcome of the Material Handling Show for world.
0: Definitely. An event as big as Promat means huge recognition and appreciation, too. So let's talk about your solution now. Could you explain to our listeners how you aim to add a third dimension to the real world with your AI-based camera? And how can it help the supply chain industry?
3: So you see a lot of computer vision applications in the technical world uh, in manufacturing for quality assurance, but also in the material handling world, more on the security part. But for us, with our patent, with our international patent, we go a step further by using AI to earn, interpretate the third dimension of the real world. And that allows us to track any object in in the real world accurately, kind of transforming a standard camera into an accurate sensor. And how does that help in a supply chain is we are providing our technology and methods to certain supply chain challenges. And for now we are focusing on labor, but also for improvements in operations.
0: Interesting. You mentioned that you're focusing on labor improvements. Is there any specific real world problem in this area that you aim to solve with your solution?
3: Yeah, I think uh, for professionals in the industry, but also um, for other folks, I think it's not a big secret that labor is really a challenge in the supply chain, along with uh, visibility in the supply chain. And um, at the Material Handling Promot Show, you saw a lot about robotics, robotics, robotics. And we want to go a different way by focusing on labor challenges, labor retention and such topics. So what we are doing is um, simple provide our information, our data we are harvesting in visualizations to operators, to supervisors, etc., like real-time data to provide that as a platform for engagement with labor, to collaborate and to also to change and to improve in operations. That's our basic market entry and basic idea.
0: Great. I know how important data is for any organization and especially supply chains because data makes them efficient and resilient. How would you describe that the data you provide will add value to supply chains?
3: To begin with, I would say we are, we are giving labor a voice with data. I think labor and, and supervisors and teams, they are interested in, in data. The whole world is basically moving into real-time data, accurate data, etc. And we feel by providing this data, we are helping for more engagement, for more collaboration in the workforce, but also hopefully making the workplace much more attractive by engaging, by being creative um, for improvements, for having a voice based on data and helping to, to improve operations, but also engage and also uh, address retention in operations.
0: That's awesome. Organizations powered with data are capable of doing so much more that contributes to their bottom line and customer experience, which is the end goal. If I may have missed anything, is there any message that you would like to convey to our listeners?
3: I have a message, certainly, yeah. Uh, In the material handling industry, and this is also my past, you know, this is all all about automation, robotics, automation, etc., right? Our message is, have a look on the labor, address their concerns, their uh, participation in the workforce. And I guess our message is also, you know, incorporate, engage, and work with the, with the workforce by using our technology.
0: All right, next with me are Jordan Lumack and Dave Collins. Thanks for joining us, Jordan and Dave. Following the format I used with our other guests, can you introduce yourself to our listeners?
4: I am Dave Collins,
5: and I'm Jordan Tolumac and we are OneRack, LLC.
0: Excellent. So both of you are the co-founders of OneRack. How would you describe OneRack to someone who isn't aware of it in the simplest way?
5: OneRack is a online software where rack professionals can design their storage racks. That That's a simple explanation of it.
0: Fantastic big congratulations. You won the best IT innovation award at Promat. I'm curious to know, how did this idea strike you in the first place?
4: When we first entered this market back in 2017 or so, one of the first things I did was look up rack design software. And I couldn't believe that I couldn't find anything. Um, I know it's a niche industry, but lots of niche industries have their own software in, at this point. And so, that was the first thing that caught my attention. Another reason that, that we designed OneRack is it's just for, for communication. We, we saw there's just a lag in communication in the industry as far as like, you know, the, the engineer sort of plays a middleman between the integrator and the end user. And, and so basically like long story short, it, it just allows people to get answers much quicker. It, it allows them find out information on their own. So it really empowers the user with structural engineering expertise, like on demand.
0: That's interesting. What makes OneRack so innovative and what problems does it solve in the industry?
5: So we run a structural engineering firm with several engineers, Dave and I included, and um, us working with Rack professionals to provide prelims, um, structural calculations, stamping, you know, permit drawings and whatnot. That's what spawned the idea for one racket. What well, what we found is that our customers would be, they'd want a preliminary design from us, a prelim. Um, and then they might want to follow up with a question or have the end user ask some changes and all of these changes takes time for us to answer and we can't get back to them for, you know, a few hours a day, what have you, And um, but with one rack, our users can answer their questions immediately. They don't have to wait for a structural engineer to, to answer those questions.
0: We've all been through those frustrations when we don't receive timely responses, and I can understand how wonderful of a solution it would be for people to eliminate that long wait time. Is this something that contributes to your USP? Or do you have other unique things as well that help to gain an essential competitive edge at ProMed?
4: I think what set us apart in the competition was that we're not really piggybacking off another technology and just using that technology for something. We're, we're like, Everything we've done, we've baked from scratch. We're not just fitting some new technology into racks. We're actually everything that you see on one rack was built from the ground up. Um, All the analytics were done by us. And so I think that's unique to have.
0: Awesome. That must have been an arduous but exciting journey. So my next question pivots around similar lines. How has OneRack evolved over all these years?
4: OneRack developed over time. It wasn't just this idea that we had and we started to build it. It it evolved over time. It, it started off like, why don't we get our prelims? Uh, why don't we allow customers to fill out their prelims on the internet? And it, it almost was like an Excel format. And it, it, and it went from that to a completely like full-scale design software, web-based online, where, you know, users can design their racks and, and pretty much do their every day to day tasks with racks in, in one rack it evolves from, you know, doing
5: simple calculations that Excel can handle to, well, now we're using, you know, computing power and the power of the cloud. How about we get with some PhDs and some experts in finite element analysis and actually run a, a rigorous, you know, finite element model. I can do rigorous second order analysis and, um, all the most advanced way of analyzing structures. So um, it it, it evolved from something simple to basically trying to utilize our computing hours.
0: That's a really great journey. Now that we've talked about your past, I'd like to know what are your plans for the future? What's your roadmap and what would you like to achieve?
4: We have a lot of ideas. It's really to come down to user feedback and like, you know, I'm hoping that the industry will, will tell us where it needs to go.
5: I guess some areas are helping right now. It helps project managers, sales and designers, designer racks, hopefully in the future, help start connecting companies with their end users, starts giving more, giving a platform for end users to outreach to possible vendors along those lines. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Connecting the manufacturing side with the sales side. Um, so we're hoping, so it's called OneRack. And the original thought was that it is one place that a rack professional can basically get everything done. And that's what we're going to try to build is is a platform where a rack professional can't do everything they need to do a rack project inside of OneRack.
0: Well, I wish you all the luck with your goals, and thanks for taking the time to speak with us today. Thank you for listening to this MHI cast featuring the winners of the 2023 ProMat MHI Innovation and Startup Awards. To learn more about these innovations, visit ProMatshow.com. If you're looking for the next big innovation for your facility, make plans to join us next year in Atlanta for Modex 2024. Find information online now at modexshow.com. At MHI, we never stop exploring new opportunities to help you take your manufacturing and supply chain operations to the next level of success. Thanks for making us part of your professional development journey.